All right. Hey, good morning, dads. Glad you're here. So did anybody go outside this morning and just go, wow, it feels a little better this morning. Anyone notice that? It's like in the 30s and it felt good. It was crazy. Uh, Well, so glad you're here. I'm going to go ahead and pray and get us started for this morning. Lord, we need you. Uh, God, we're so dependent on you moment by moment. I pray that we would continue to realize um, our helplessness on our own. And God, that you'd be glorified even this morning as we are waking up, that we would encourage each other, that your word would speak to our hearts, that your spirit would um, encourage and convict and remind us and empower us. And we ask this all in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. Well, hopefully you got a handout on your table there uh, of today's topic. Just a quick review. This is session three out of four. Next week's the last week for this semester. But what we've covered so far is a few weeks ago, two weeks ago, we did a praying father. And we looked at Paul and all of his uh, passionate prayers for the churches. The challenge there was uh, for us just to begin to be more purposeful in our praying as dads. And hopefully that encouraged some of you to begin to do that. Either start a journal or uh, be specific with your children and what you're praying for them. And then last week we looked at David... And as great as David was, we looked at how he was really passive when it came to parenting. Like he really, especially um, three of his sons, he just didn't discipline and it led to tragic results. And so we talked about, <coughs> excuse me, the importance of that, not being passive, remembering that your example matters. You got to discipline your kids. You need to reconcile. But then remember, God just uses broken fathers and families. That's, that's all we have to go by uh, ourselves. Here's what we're going to do today. We're going to look at Joshua a purposeful father. So this should be uh, at the top of your hand out there. If Katie and I ever had twins, we had said initially, we're going to name our kids Joshua and Caleb because we just love the examples, especially when Joshua was, was not in command where he was boldly taking a stand for what's right, kind of Moses' right-hand man. Uh, we ended up not having twins, but one of our kids we still named Caleb because we love Caleb as well. So when Joshua's young, he's this bold uh, leader that God's reminding him, be bold, be courageous, I'm with you, go in and take the land. And um, that's the young Joshua. What we're going to see in a minute is an old Joshua, probably in his 80s or older. And this is what happens in life. As you get older, things change, you get a new perspective. Uh, Your body changes. I, I read this haiku about my life recently. I am so tired. Where did all my money go? My back is hurting. It just happens when you get old. You start to go, some of you, even my sons who are in their late 20s are talking about how their backs are aching. I'm like, okay, this is, you're not old yet. But anyways, this is probably Joshua, what he looked like when he's making what we're going to look at today is probably the most famous family purpose statement or declaration uh, in the Bible. Because it's used, some of you might even have it on your, uh, you know, somewhere in your house. But this is where he's now having been this bold and courageous guy, now trying to pass this vision on to the next generation. And he's seen a lot. He knows from experience how fickle everyone's heart can be. And he is even talking to God's people, challenging them to get rid of their false gods. So it's not like we're all in this you know, bubble where everyone's doing great. He's like, listen, I know where we're at. And I want to, even here at the end of my days, draw a line in the sand And I was reading in Psalms the other day, and this is really cool. I came across Psalm 92. It says, The righteous flourish like a palm tree and grow like a cedar in Lebanon. They are planted in the house of the Lord. They flourish in the courts of our gods. With all these greenery growing uh, imagery. And look what it says. They still bear fruit in old age. 
They are ever full of sap and green to declare that the Lord is upright. He is my rock. There's no unrighteousness in him. Just a reminder, I would love for that to be said about me, that as I get old, I'm still producing fruit, that I'm still full of sap. There's still um, things that people can look at me and just say, okay, he's still a growing believer and uh, God has established him. So let's look at Joshua's purpose statement, family declaration um, that a lot of you will recognize, but here's the, the gist of it. We usually just take two parts of it and put it together, but he says to the people, now therefore fear the Lord, that's Yahweh there, and serve him in sincerity and in faithfulness. Put away the gods that your fathers served beyond the river and in Egypt and serve the Lord. And if it is evil in your eyes to serve the Lord, and then here's where most of the ones that we're familiar with come in, choose this day whom you will serve. Whether the gods of your father served in the region beyond the river or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. So again, here's this line in the sand where he's like, listen, you guys, you got to make a choice. And it reminds me a lot of one of my other favorite uh, Bible characters, Elijah, uh, saying to the people, how long will you go limping between two different opinions? If the Lord is God, follow him. But if Baal, then follow him. Like, I'm, I'm, I'm challenging you to make a decision. You've got a whole lot of options. And here's some of the ones on your outline right there. It says, letter A, what we choose to worship will bear consequences. So it's not just in name that, yes, I'm a Christian, but it's actually what I'm, I'm actually worshiping. All gods demand some kind of sacrifice. And unfortunately, there's consequences when we follow wrong gods, false gods, obviously. But then you've got these, these options. If you look at letter B there, who or what you serve determines both the direction and the outcome of your life. And then... This is what Joshua is appealing to. Will it be the religion handed down to you? When he talks about um, the gods your father served beyond the river, he's actually going back to like Abraham's time, where, where they came from. And so is it going to be what, this is the religion that was handed down to you actually by your fathers? Or the gods you once followed, like in Egypt? Um, that was a challenge for them to get rid of all those false gods there. And, and um, you notice in Israel's wanderings and other times, they'll revert back to like the golden calf. Okay? Or the gods of your culture. He talks about the Amorites and the land that you're living in. You've got all of these false gods in this land as well to choose from. Okay? Or is it going to be the one true God? And sadly, if you know the story, after Joshua, this is the book of Judges, and all his generation dies, what happens? Another generation grows up and it says they didn't know the Lord. They didn't know what he had done. Which I think is partly the parents' fault, right? How do you not know what the Lord has done? Well, did, did your parents tell you what God has done? Have you testified? Like, here's what I've seen God do. But what he says is we're going to follow the true God, fearing him, serving him in sincerity and faithfulness. And he specifically is saying Yahweh, not just God, but there is a particular name for God himself. That's who we're going to follow. Okay. What we're going to look at today and what I want to challenge you to do is by the time we're done is to begin in your mind to be thinking, if you haven't already, Am I making a clear purpose statement with my family of this is the direction that we're going? And then how do I do that? We're going to give you some time to work on this. But this is just the challenge for us as dads to be really, really purposeful in not just assuming all of our kids know where we're going. Okay? The way I, I, I read about this in a book one time, it was talking about kind of where the cultural divide happened a while ago in our culture that you've got Non-Christians, you have people who follow other religions or just secular, those kinds of things. And in our country, the, the cultural divide then was between Christians, and, I, and you've got kind of three versions of that. Cultural Christians, like you were just raised in church, you think you're a Christian because you're an American, right? 
congregational Christians, like they claim a church, maybe they're not involved, maybe they just show up at Christmas and Easter, right? Christers. And then you've got convictional Christians, like it really is a part of your faith. 360 degrees, it's all part of everything that you do. You're committed, you're involved. And overall, the main line, the mainstream culture was a Judeo-Christian culture. Well, what's happened today is that line has shifted where the cultural divide, sadly, lands here. And so you've got mainstream culture that has secular values that even people who are professing the name of Jesus, ultimately it's not really the, the, the true um, cry of their heart to really want to live for Jesus 24-7. It's part of my life. It's just something that we add on there. And so as a result, we're living in this culture where we cannot assume that people are backing up our convictions where people agree with biblical principles, our definition of marriage or gender or things like that. You, you just can't assume that uh, in the culture that you're living in today. So even more, as, as fathers with our kids, we need to remind them, again, lovingly, grace-filled about, hey, we're different than the world. We're going somewhere. I'm going to remind you of what the point is. My job is to point them to the point, right? Three big choices. I'll just go ahead and tell you as dads you're going to have to make today. This is letter C in your notes right there where you, you must be okay with the thought of being on the minority road, that not everybody is going this direction. You, and you've just got to go and be okay with that, that I've got to get, be getting my kids ready for this. Like, hey, other people might choose this or, or, or pick this direction, but this is where we're going. And um, three, three of them. The first one is schooling, okay? You got to decide this. Where in our culture, you've got to, and by the way, at our uh, parenting conference, we did a really great breakout, actually led by Dave Breskis, on all the schooling options. Whatever you choose, you need to be involved. Like, don't just assume, like, it's no big deal how they're being educated and their brains are being formed from kindergarten through 12th grade. It's a big deal. What is being pumped into their minds um, a whole lot of hours of their day, that's a big deal. So you just need to be involved, you need to be informed. Okay, whether you choose public, private, uh, uh, a mix of those, a hybrid homeschool, then you've got you've to be aware of that. But it is getting to the point where I can never just assume the school's got my back. The teachers are on my side. They see things that, the way I see them. And the kids in their class, well, they'll all just be, you know. So schooling's going to be a big one. The second one is technology. Okay, this is going to be something where I feel like at least my generation um, we for sure did not have phones growing up uh, that were that you carried around in your pocket. We had phones, um, but my my foster daughter asked me that. She goes, "Did you have phones when you were a kid?" I was like, "How old do you think I am?" Yes, we had phones. Anyways, but you've got to make a decision, and I don't know how well we're doing on this modeling for our kids what it looks like to always have something in your hand or always be checking. And this is a big deal. Our, this is just so you know, this isn't going away. Like these aren't going to then fade out anywhere. This is always going to be a challenge. But you've got to decide as a dad for yourself, but for your family, what are we going to do with technology? And you've got to be on guard and, you, and you've got to be you know, discerning and protective, proactive in these things. That's a courageous choice that your kids, uh, there's, there's semi-smartphones that you can get now. There's other you know, things that you can do that are smart. Something that um, Sean Hill, our kids minister, um, said that he is using is called Arrow. And this is, again... The world coming up with, the, whenever the world recognizes some of these things are a problem, that should make us go, huh. If you ever watched The Social Dilemma, where the people who developed this technology are not letting their children use this technology, like, that should tell us something. But the world is coming up with, hey, what if you had, like, some kind of a box where you just put your phones, everyone puts their phone for certain hour, hours during the day. Now, 
that sounds really obviously simple, right? But it's a big deal. Like, could, could I do that? I think what happens is if I don't know where my phone is, I've got this crazy idea that everybody is trying to get in touch with me right now, which is just not true, by the way. But they talk about this thing called Arrow, and it's for parents to be fully present, to model healthy habits for your kids, spend quality family time together, reconnect with your partner for kids, teach them through your actions. This is what the world is saying we should be doing, right? Show them that they're valuable, introduce phones with a plan. So it's called Arrow. Uh, if that helps. The third one, the big courageous choice you're going to have to decide is sexuality. That how am I going to explain to my kids a healthy biblical view of sexuality, the way God designed it? And we're going to talk a little bit about this next week, by the way. I'm going to give you a really great resource uh, to look at next week. But this is, these are the three areas where you're going to have to be courageous. And you and your wife need to be on the same page. And then you've just got to decide where your line in the sand is on these things. But let me just tell you, kind of piggybacking off of last week, you cannot be passive in these areas. Okay? You can't just assume like, ah, it'll, they'll figure it out. It's like, no, there's, there's some very real dangers and real, very real bad habits that we want to make sure that we're helping our kids not fall into. Years ago, A.W. Tozer said, the most critical need of the church at this moment is men, bold men, free men. The church must seek in prayer and much humility the coming again of men made of the stuff of which prophets and martyrs are made. That we're just being serious about, like, this is, might not be popular. And I need to teach my kids maybe how to take a stand. I, I need to just realize, like, this is counter-cultural in so many ways, okay? Even convictions that we had uh, in our church amongst our Christian friends were different from other people as far as what we watch, where we do the line, all those things, okay? <clears throat> Excuse me. Number, Roman number two in your notes there is what you need to do. Here's what we're going to mainly talk about how you do this today. Focus on your family and then focus your family. And what I mean by that is, first of all, you're thinking, this is my priority. I'm going to focus on my family, which a lot of you are doing. But then what my next job is to do is to focus my family, to say, this is where we're going. This is actually what life is all about. Okay. And I need to say that verbally. I need to model it uh, as well. So they're seeing it and they're hearing it. And, and all of this, we're, we're going to be fumbling and stumbling through it. I just don't want you to walk away thinking like you've got to be perfect and everything. I actually read a quote yesterday where it said, faithfulness is not faultlessness. That I want to be faithful. It does not mean that I'm going to not screw up or uh, have to apologize. I'm going to have to do that a lot. But what we're trying to model for our kids is a pattern, not perfection. Okay? So it's that you did it. A lot of you have heard me say this many times before, a quote by G.K. Chesterton. If a thing is worth doing, it's worth doing badly. And what he meant by that was, if it's that important, but you fumble and stumble through it, guess what? You did it. That's awesome. So when it comes to giving your family a purpose, I'm not talking about like you have to have these, you know, 15 point thesis of everything. It can be just like, hey, here's our family motto. Here's our family verse. Anything like that. I'll give you some other ideas. But the reason I share that with you, <clears throat> Katie and I right now are planning our spring break vacation. And one thing I promise you that we would never do is load up the car Get in the car. Kids are all buckled in. We got everything ready to go. And Katie and I sit there and we look at each other and we go, okay, where do you want to go? Like, you'd never do that. Like, we know where we're going. We've made plans way ahead of time of what the, uh, the direction is, what, what our reservations are. You would never have a coach at halftime, okay? There's this Geico commercial going on right now, right? Where the coach just goes, hey, we're losing really badly, but let's just get out there, guys. I know we can do it come on. And then, then you go back into the field. Like, no, you're going to have a game plan. You're going to say, no, here's where I think we need to go. Here's some adjustments we need to make or, or a boss 
where the numbers are all looking, you know, down and he's saying to his, to his team, like, what do you guys think? We got any other ways? And they're like, nope, we got nothing. He goes, okay, well, let's just keep going. What we're doing. Like, no, you would do something about it. Right? So in the same way that you would never in those situations, just blindly, blindly just go, all right, let's just move on. Why do we think our families are less important that we don't have a plan? We don't have a direction. Like this is where we want to, to take things. Okay. And part of it is your kids are looking to you to answer these questions about, so why are we here? Or what's important? Or where do we draw the line? Or what, what is, makes me, you know, what's my purpose here? All those things. And here's a number that is always so sobering for me, you guys, 216 months. That is by the time a child is 18, they have lived 216 months. That actually doesn't sound like very long when you put it like that, right? I don't know if you guys, when I first heard that number, I just went, that, that's way shorter than I think, right? And so I want to make the best use of the time that God's given me for the, for the kids that God has given me while they're under my roof and point them to the point of what this is really all about, okay? So if my kids are asking, what should I become? Or dad, why do we go to church? Or why do those people get baptized? All those things, I want to make sure that I'm helping my kids understand. Yes, it's going to be all right. Or yes, I know this is a challenge, but this is how we respond. It's my job, okay, to do these things. In your notes right there, letter A is the first part of the focusing your family that I want to share with you, and that is the word creed, what you believe and why. One of our jobs as a parent, first of all, is it's great that you go to a Bible-believing church. This, you know, Watermark is awesome with raising kids with our uh, foundational fundamental beliefs, but that doesn't guarantee that it's all getting through. When I was a youth pastor, I did this for eight years, And I remember conversations with parents who were realizing something and they said to me, I don't think my child believes what I believe. And so my response was, that might be true. Uh, Have you ever told them what you believe? Have you ever asked them what they believe? And the response is usually, well, no, I mean, I just assumed we go to the same. It's like, okay, have you ever made sure like this is what we believe as Christians? Okay, so. What do you believe and why do you believe it? In your notes right there, it says, do your kids believe what you believe? Have you ever asked them? Have you ever told them? Teach the what along with the why as often as you can. Next week, we're going to talk about the why. How do you explain to your kids both the what and the why? We'll do that a little bit more in particular. Um, I've got a few extra copies of this, but the New City Catechism for kids is super easy and super helpful. If you get the app, it, it has a little song that goes with it that at first I thought was kind of corny, but it actually works. My kids uh, learn the song as you go through this. But any, this is just, we might do this while we're driving to school. Like we went through this a couple of years ago on, on our way to school in the morning. I was like, I just want to know the first few ones of these about what we believe. But I want to make sure that I'm the one explaining this uh, to my kids. And um, one of the resources we're trying to give you, I know I keep pointing this out, but this is something that we want to offer this faith path of saying, listen, um, start simply, but simply start. Have you heard that expression before? Like, just pick a thing for a whole year. And what we're trying to offer here is, listen, here's where I'm at, just so you know. I'm going back and I'm looking at what are the things I haven't done really intentionally, and I landed on prayer. So for this year, as a family, we're just going to grow in the area of prayer. So this week, and this is all like brand new in our life, I, at the dinner table, we prayed the Lord's Prayer. I said the first line, and then they repeated after me, and I kept going through this. And I think they kind of know it because we've done it in other situations. But now... The next thing we're doing just at the dinner table is, okay, who knows what hallowed means? 
That's in the prayer. Like they don't know. So what does hallowed mean? And how can we pray like this? Well, it's Lord, your name is great or awesome is your name or we praise your name. Like there's other ways of saying this, but me realizing I want to make sure that I'm helping my kids learn how to pray. So the goal of the faith path is just sit back, chill a little bit and just say, hey, for this year at this age, here's just one thing that we're going to get into a habit of doing. We're going to get we're going to be more of a praying family. And I love that about our our church right now that we're emphasizing, not just uh, a church that prays, but we want to be a praying church. Same thing with our families. You can be a family that prays or you can be a praying family. Like this is just what we do. And it's not awkward or weird if we just stop at this moment and pray because it's just like that. And so many times we're the ones who make it awkward. We think it's awkward, but the kids, they don't see it that way. Okay. So that's the first one, your creed. The next one is character. Um, Qualities that are communicated, understood, expected, and enforced. Like these are the things that we want to make sure that we're passing on to our kids as far as what's going on in their heart. And in all of this, there's always the balance of, Lord, you've got to be working in their heart um, and your spirit convicting or empowering or reminding them, but we're still going to have standards. Uh, On your table, we've given you a list there of a whole lot of character qualities that our ministry uses. If you want to know the definition of some of these things. And I would just challenge you. This is what my wife has been really great at doing. Think through each of your kids and what they need to work on right now. Is it just patience? They're just, they need to learn patience. When it's time to eat, they're so impatient. And if the food is in front of them, but we haven't prayed yet, they just want to jump in. Like, let's just work on patience. Let's just give them a basic definition. And our family, the definition was waiting without complaining. That's just what it, patience means. Self-control is controlling myself. Okay, controlling my my mouth and my body. Like, this is just basic things I want my kids to know. But just decide which of these things do I want to pass on to my kids and emphasize. Okay, got a few other examples in your outline right there of respect. One of the big things that um, I said to my kids over and over and over again as they're going off to school is listen, honor, and obey. Whether it's um, sports or school or a job one day. This is for all of us, right? We know this. If you can listen, honor, and obey, that will take you far in life. If you can learn how to be that kind of a person. like those, That's a really simple attribute I want my kids to remember. Okay, So character is a big one on uh, what, what we want them to be. The very last one, they're being kind and polite. Having the sweet aroma of Christ. Having good manners. Those are just things. I don't want little robots, but I want them to be thoughtful. To be you know, considerate of others as we go through this. And then the last one is going to be convictions. Um, this is what makes your family unique, probably. Convictions are different than preferences, because preferences can change, and they're not that you know, anchored in, in too much. It's just what you enjoy. A conviction is more of a principle from the Bible. And when my kids were little, we had a little rhyme. It's a principle from the Bible that we obey no matter what others do or say. Like That was just our little rhyme that we always said. And this is kind of our line in the sand as a family. Um, this is where you have to decide what is going to be our family standard for movies, is witchcraft okay? Are, are bad attitudes okay? Are bad words okay? How many bad words? Like, what, where, where are we going to draw the line with what we listen to? Um, with sleepovers? Like, that was a big one for our family. Like, we just, we're not going to do the sleepover thing. And there's a whole lot of reasons, if you're going to ask me why we didn't do sleepovers. We would stay really late at the party, but then we just wouldn't do that. Uh, but we decided as a family, we're just going to be different. Um, there's things that you know, some of your families and the kids are little, like we, we don't say stupid. We don't say shut up. Like there's little convictions that other families might, but we just don't as Sherrods say those things. So on your outline right there, it's just a few reminders. So what is your family ministry or mission? Like who do you want to reach and serve? 
Um, I read this from the Ragamuffin Gospel, but he talks about the least, the last, and the lost. Like that became kind of our mantra with our family. Like this is who we want to reach. People who are kind of marginalized and we got into foster care, but it could just be, hey, our neighbors, we want to minister to our next door neighbors and bake them cookies and mow their lawn or do things like that. But we're going to be on mission as a family. The next one I mentioned is standards. Where do we draw the, the line? Family mottos that you just want to kind of say that are, this is unique to us. Um, blessed to be a blessing is something. And again, I didn't make that up, but I heard someone else talk about it. I'm like, I like that. I want to keep saying that to my kids. That I don't want you to think you're this big, just reservoir of God's blessing that we just get to keep. It's like, no, you're blessed to be a blessing. That we want to be a channel of God's love wherever we go. So we're blessed to be a blessing. And then speaking family identity into your child. I've got their reminders. Hey, we're all in this together. We need each other. We're a team with the same goal. Reminding my kids, you're best friends. Um, it says there, this is just things my wife had typed out before. Shared boys are gentlemen. Okay, we have six sons that we want to remind our kids. We treat girls, ladies, and older people with respect and gentleness. We will let girls and company go first. We will help them find a seat. We will open doors for others. We consider others better than ourselves. My wife wrote some of these things out as we were raising these boys, just going, okay, what what are our standards that I want to make sure I keep in front of my eyes and that we remind our boys? It says they're also, we are the Sherrods. We want to please God and make him happy. We want others to see God's love for them through our lives. Others may do things differently. But this is what Sherrods do, okay? So yeah, I know some families go and do that, or they watch that, or they allow their whatever, but we, we're Sherrods. Um, we might be a little bit different in this, okay? Other things that I've tried to pass on with my kids, uh, I, at, so four of my kids are married. At each of their um, wedding um, receptions, I share this with them. In Proverbs 24.3, it says, By wisdom a house is built. And again, I did not make this up. I heard it. Shared one time, I'm like, I really like that. But here's, I said, this is what I pray for you guys. And I pray for our own house, houses. Um, that you would be, your home would be a house of prayer, a home of peace, a haven from sin, and a hand of generosity. Like, this is just what I have in my prayer journal that I'm praying for my kids. That I want it to be where you are a family, where prayer is just a part of what you do. You're a praying family. You're dependent. That you're a home of peace where it might be chaos and crazy out in the world. But here in our home, we're going to fight for peace. Now, again, with your kids, it does not always mean that it is quiet. Um, but it just means we're going to always strive to have peace amongst each other. That There's something different. We have the aroma of Christ. So when someone comes into our house, they just feel something is different. I want it to be a haven from sin. This is where we might have convictions that are different than the world's or other people. Where no, this is different. In this house, we're, 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 we're a little bit different from... Um, what we watch and what we listen to than, than what our neighbors might do or, or other people that we know. And then we just want to be a hand of generosity, that we're not this place where this is our, um, we isolate ourselves from everybody else, but like we want to be known as, hey, we're generous. We're a, we're a place of hospitality. We invite people to come eat or come hang out or we're just known um, for generosity. And this is where, again, as you say these things, they become part of your ver- verbiage. Some of you heard me talk about my father-in-law who didn't become a believer until he was 40 years old. And he, his prayer was like in Joel, where the, it was talking about the Lord restoring the years the locusts had eaten. Like he was like, I wasted so many years of my life pursuing the wrong things. But what he would say all the time is, let's go do some damage for the kingdom. Like that was his, his reminder to us. Like we're here for a purpose and we're not going to be here long. And so let's go do some damage for the kingdom. And what's crazy is I've used that with my kids. And then when I was a camp director and then to hear some of my summer staffers begin to use that, that phraseology 
And so it's amazing, you guys, as you repeat stuff, you might think that you've said it a hundred times. Your kids might not remember it. Uh, they, they might, but they might not. So just keep saying these things. Like I mentioned, um, blessed to be a blessing, those kinds of things. I would remind my kids, hey, you can't be close to God and far from his word. Um, or be a friend of the friendless as you go to school today. Whatever it is, but all the little things that you're reminding your kids, this is, this is what makes us unique or what makes us different. Um, I remember telling my son going into college, you, you bow low before God and you stand tall before men. I read that somewhere. I didn't make that up. But it's like, I want to have these, these reminders for my kids the way Paul said fathers are supposed to charge their kids. I want to give a charge to them. For our family, uh, years ago, my wife and I decided uh, Colossians 1 was going to be our family verse. This is uh, a picture that we have hanging in our um, uh, upstairs room. And this, my wife is not super crafty with making stuff, but this is where she got passionate about, I want to have this up there. And so we did, um, took some time and painted this and put that verse on there. But this is a reminder to us as a family of our rescue God rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of his son in whom we have redemption and forgiveness. Like that's the the most glorious news I never want to forget. That I'm now in a new kingdom. That I've been rescued and I've been redeemed. Okay? Not just forgiven, but redeemed. We uh, years ago came up with our own family motto. uh, um, Sorry, family kind of coat of arms. That this is what we want our family to, to be about. And so we, Katie and I did a little research and what are some, what's a Latin phrase? We picked Nexus Christus. It means Christ at the center. Again, I'd seen someone sign his emails with that. I was like, I like that. I want to use that. Um, passion and compassion. These are big things we say with our kids. We have passion for Jesus, compassion for people. Compassion means literally to suffer with. Like we want that to be part of our family. And so our kids have heard us say over and over again, we live for the name and fame of Jesus. I am all about things that rhyme, you guys, because it's easier to remember. But we live for the name and fame of Jesus. And lastly, I'll just share with you with my, with my, I think my four oldest sons at least, if you were to ask them, what are the four things your dad has always prayed for you from when you were little? And I've said this to them. I think I asked them within the last couple of years and they all could say it. It's, I want you to be godly, wise, humble, and bold. Like, like you guys know how much I love you and I want to pray for you individually. But in general, what I pray for you is that you'll be godly, that you'll follow the example of Christ and depend on his, you know, his power living through you. But I want you to be wise, and that comes from God's word. Uh, I really want you to be humble. God gives more grace to the humble. Humble leaders are easy to follow. But then I want you to be bold, and you can be both of those things. You can be humble and bold at the same time. But this is what I've just pounded into them since they were little. Like This is what I would, I would pray for you most, that whether it's you individually or you as a husband or now you as a father, um, I want you to be godly, wise, humble, and bold. Okay? On the back of your notes right there, I'll just show you a few ideas if you want to begin to develop a family purpose statement. I'll just go ahead and tell you there are plenty of resources. Here's one online, uh, How to Create a Family Mission Statement. It's a symphonyofpraise.com where they just say, here's some ideas that you can do this. Do not do this on your own apart from your wife and then just spring it on her. Like, hey, by the way, here's our purpose. Like, this is for you as, uh, as a husband and wife team to do together. But there's a lot of great examples. And as I'm going through um, my life, I'm always looking for stuff. I actually saw this in, I think we were either in Ross or Marshalls. This is in the back of the store. And I was like, I want this. Because you've seen all these family rules that people put out there. But look at the very first one. We love Jesus. Uh, if, if I could put anything up in front of the eyes of my kids, and the very biggest or first thing they see is, that's, that's what I want to make sure that we remember with all of our family rules that we go through. But what, this is what you see in Deuteronomy 6 where it talks about, hey, 
You love God with all your everything. His words are on, my, on your heart. You, you teach them diligently to your children. And then it says, put them up all around your house. Like put them on your door frames, like somewhere where they are visible, where God's word. So there's something about putting scripture up around your house and before the eyes of your kids that God says, that's, that's really effective. That's, that's helpful. Okay. So on the outline right there, this is just real quick. I'll just mention these bullet points, but it just says they're knowing your purpose keeps you pointed in the right direction, helping you set and achieve goals. Purpose creates passion. Passion gives you the power to be disciplined. Think of it as a roadmap to keep you on track and focused. Letter B, a purpose statement can explain who you are, describe what you do, state what you stand for. It can just be like, here's, maybe you do have a really cool family um, crest that you, that you can pass on to your kids of what the name of your family means. Um, but why does your family exist? How are you going to glorify and serve God? What might be a key family verse that envisions why God has brought you together? Remember that the statement is about your family, not just an individual, okay? And this is not just, we're bragging about how great our family is. That's the first one there, but think of it as a vision. And then letter D, here's some practical guidelines. It can be simple, concise, and easy to remember. Parents need to agree and be united. Talk it over with your kids, even. that Your kids would really be excited to watch you and to be involved in and get their input. You might not take their ideas, but to make them understand, like, we are doing this as a family. This is what we stand for. Uh, inscribe it and display it in your home. Uh, and then you live it out. That's obviously not just have it on the wall, but you're beginning to live it out. One of my sons... Um, to, took it to an extreme and has our family crest tattooed on his arm. And he's got verses on there and he's got, that he just wanted this to be a part of, I want to remember what our, what our purpose is. Okay. So maybe you and your wife can go together and get a tattoo. Here's some examples. I'll just put these up there and then I want to end with a video. But these, if you go online and just look for examples of family purpose statements, some of them are like, this is our family mission, kind of like this, where it's like, here's all of the lists of stuff that you can do. Um, and a lot of it is um, fun. A lot of it is like, well, duh. But putting it up in front of your kids is helpful. Even if it's like there, we will travel. That might be something that you like as a family or, or not. But this is just individual families. There's another one that I, I saw where they just said these five words, believe, love, work, grow, share. And then they just explain what each of those are. Like this is, this is what our family, uh, it says our family reflects God's light in our lives through the way we and then you've got those explanations. And again, I'll, I'll send you guys out the slides um, either today or tomorrow about this. Another one was be faithful, create sanctuary, live generously, experience wonder. And then you've got, again, descriptions underneath each of those. But this is a family saying, we want to say, here's what we are about individually. This one was more of a purpose statement. We will use our gifts to further his kingdom. Choose peace, practice hospitality, walk in love, look around with a generous eye. Be encouraging, enjoy every moment, approach others with kindness. And what's so cool, you guys, is with technology today, you could print this out online for yourself. Like, you could have these things crafted and made, okay? A couple more. This is the Irk family. We, the Irks, believe that our purpose as a family is to love God and love others. We will accomplish this by valuing God's word as our main guiding principle, making our home a place of passion and rest, prioritizing our family and home above lesser values, and interacting with each other and a spirit of grace and truth. That's just reminding, these are our house rules. This is how we get along as a family. Okay? Here's just, again, some main reminders. We put God first. Here's a verse. You keep your promises. Here's a verse. We be thankful in all things. Um, last couple other ones. Our family rules. We pray often. You find your identity in Christ. Show the same grace to others that God showed you. 
Uh, the other one on the right there. Always be honest. Count your blessings. Forgive and forget. But this is just trying to, as a family, say, I want to remind you of these things, and I'll forget them as well. But it would be so easy, you guys, if, just at, if this is visible in front of your family, to say, at the dinner table, I don't know what we should talk about tonight. Well, let's just pick one of these things. How are we doing on this one? What, what, how can we improve? How can we pray this for each other? But you're beginning to just make this part of where your kids understand, we have a purpose. Like, we're going somewhere. We stand for something. And that gets them excited. Okay? And I promise you, now having grown kids, it's fun to look back and hear my kids talk about things that I didn't even realize they would remember or they made an impact. I'm just like, wow, you remember that? And they're like, oh, yeah, of course. I'm like, wow, okay. And it's really humbling. Here's what I want to do. I want to end with a, um, a video of how you'll be remembered. And you'll, you'll catch on in just a second of who this is about. But this is, again, going all the way back to Joshua, the end of his life, looking back on this is what I want to make sure that we remember as a family. So hopefully this will be a good encouragement or reminder to you guys. Obviously, you, you see my kids, you know, you guys have a heavy burden. I, I wouldn't want to be you guys if I had to, you know, because of all the expectations that you have to deal with. I mean, look around you. you know, they charge $1,000 tickets for this game, for this whole event. It used to be 200 bucks, but I paid it. You know, I, I had no choice. I had a lot of family, a lot of friends I had to bring in. So thank you, Hall of Fame, for, the, for raising ticket price, I guess. David Jr., my namesake, I'm very proud of you. I hope that this gives you something that you want to live up to, that, you, that makes you want to be proud of the Robinson name and to carry it on. And, and, and you're so intelligent, you're so wonderful, uh, and, and I just want to say I love you. Corey, um, multi-talented, uh, a man after God's own heart, and, and I love you. And, uh, and, and I, want to, I want to tell my son Justin, my youngest, who's uh, he's my heart, he's uh, always on my lap, always hanging on my neck. Uh, Brilliant, uh, exciting, and, and, and uh, a natural-born leader. And, and I'm very proud of each one of you guys. And, and I hope this really makes you want to carry on the Robinson name. Right there, Jerry's not here. Obviously, I don't, you know, I don't know who inv- invited him. I didn't. But uh, he said organization wins championships. I said, I didn't see organization playing with the flu in Utah. I didn't see him playing with, you know, with the bad ankle. I think the players win the championship. And the organization has something to do with it, don't get me wrong. But don't try to put the organization above the players because at the end of the day, the players still got to go out there and perform. You guys got to pay us, but I still got to go out and play. I want to thank the Spurs uh, organization. They, they brought everybody out here, and I appreciate that. Uh, and I, I love you, Peter, um, Red McCombs, Angelo Drosos, those guys were the masterminds of bringing me in, and, and uh, they had more vision, more foresight than I did. So I want to thank you guys for that. Uh, I can remember a game coming off the basketball court, and we were down, I don't know, five to ten points, and I go off about 25 points, and we come back and win the game. And we're walking off the floor, and Tex look at me and says, you know, there's no iron team. I say, Tex, it's not. It's not an iron team, but it's iron win. <laughs> uh, I want to thank all my teammates, Timmy, you're, you're my man. Um, hey, 
Have, have any of you guys ever got on your knees and prayed really hard for something? That was my answer to prayer right there. <laughs> and one thing that I'm, uh, I was thinking the other day about a story uh, from the Bible is from Luke, uh, the 17th chapter. And it was a story about 10 lepers that were healed by Jesus. And one of them came back. And one of them fell on his knees before him and said, thank you. And honored him and, and blessed him. And, and I just want to say thank you. God has followed me in my career and he has blessed me and he has strengthened me and he's encouraged me. And if anybody who knows me or anybody who has watched me, you have seen his hand in my life. And my prayer is that he will walk with you as he has walked with me. Isn't that interesting? Such an amazing contrast, whether it's what I talk to my kids about. In front of the world, I'm affirming my kids and building them up. I'm pointing away from myself. I'm giving God the glory versus it's all about me and what I did and what I accomplished. Such a great contrast uh, to see in, when it's side by side like that. But again, how are you going to remember it? I found this quote this week from back in the 1800s in this sermon uh, from 1859. This guy said, Christian life is action, not a speculating, not a debating, but a doing. One thing and one thing in this world has eternity stamped upon it. Feelings pass, resolves and thoughts pass, opinions change. What you have done lasts, lasts in you through the ages, through eternity. And so I just want to make sure that I am setting a standard. I'm setting imperfectly, but a direction for my family saying, hey, this is what it's really about. What David Robinson reminded his sons were, it's about your character. It's who you are. I want to affirm that in you. I'm, I'm, I want the, the Robinson name to be something that you're proud to live up to. But you've got to cast the vision there boldly. And again, you might be the only person. It might be the first time in your family. No one else has ever done this. But I'm going to begin to do this. So my prayer is, even just today, whether it's, hey, we're just going to pick a family verse. And that's all we're going to just do as a family. We're going to say, this is what our family is all about. Or we're going to have some kind of a, a motto or a statement or a full-blown you know, purpose statement, whatever it is. I pray that we're like Joshua where we say, listen, you can, the rest of y'all, that's in the Hebrew originally, the rest of y'all, follow whatever God's going to follow. Let me tell you about my household. We are going to serve the Lord with sincerity. We're going to fear the Lord. And this is the direction that we're going. And y'all have the same, you have, you've got your own choice. But that's my prayer that you guys would be a purposeful father in this. Okay. Let me end with a couple of reminders. Again, we've got a father son retreat next month. This is for first through fifth graders. If you have a son, first through fifth grade, um, that is the 23rd, 24th, and as an option, the 25th. If you want to spend the night on the 24th that night, uh, at the Pinecoe Bluffs, we're going to do tent camping that night. It'll officially end Saturday night on the 24th by eight, about eight o'clock. But if you want to stay on and uh, camp out, we've got a field there that we're going to set up some tents on for fun. Uh, in just a week and a half, uh, a week from tomorrow, we've got a husband's retreat. Young husbands, if you've been married zero to five years-ish, it's okay if it's like six, no big deal. But we're going to go back out to the uh, uh, Pine Cove Bluffs again and just talk about um, ways that we can grow as young husbands. And then, as always, we've got a Dad You podcast. We pray that this is continuing to be a source of encouragement, even when we don't have the Dad You sessions meeting, um, that you can continue to listen to these things and be encouraged. Okay? We'll try to put these slides out either today or tomorrow. But let me pray for us before we break into our groups. Father God, we are so grateful that you have given us purpose. Uh, Lord, that we don't have to invent it or come up with it. That you said that we are to love you with all of our everything first and foremost. Um, that we love you 
first and best and most. And God, I pray that as families, we would do that as individuals, Lord, that would be our heart's desire. And then you've told us that we're to love others. And God, I pray that if, if anything else, that would be what our family remembers, that we are to have a passion for your name and fame and compassion for other people, that um, our kids would feel um, loved and safe, but also directed, Lord, that they would know that there's a purpose for um, them being here. And so I pray for us, us as fathers that we would reject passivity, Lord, that we would desire to be intentional with our kids. And uh, as husbands and wives, that we'd be unified. And Lord, all of this is by your grace and for your glory. And we ask this in your name. Amen. All right, at your tables, uh, on the back of your notes there, you've got some table questions. And that is it for this week. We'll see you next week for our final Dad You. Ready, break. <laughs>